Good evening. Please have your Bible open, Romans chapter 16. I want you to imagine something. Imagine that I've been away for an extended period of time, and I send an email to the church here. That email is read by the members here individually or at an assembly. The brother making announcements says, Brother Berkeley, send an email to us, and I want to read that. It is longer than most emails, but you finally get to the end, and there is a list of 31 people. And you think, well, why didn't Warren just write one sentence and say hello to everybody? 31 people are named. What would you think? You might get the impression he didn't want to leave anyone out. But you might also think he loves those people and he wants to encourage each one. I want you to listen to Romans chapter 16. Paul wrote, I want to commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Sincrea, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints, and help her in whatever she may need from you. For she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risk their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Epinatus, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ and my beloved Statius. Greet Apellus, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Greet my kinsman Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those workers in the Lord. Trophania and Trophosa. Greet the beloved Persis, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Greet Asyncritus, Philegion, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermos, and the brothers who are with them. Greet Philogolus, Julia, Nerseus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them, greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles. Contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught, avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. 
but I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. So do Lucius and Jason and Sosipater, my kinsmen. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, who is host with me and to the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Quartus, greet you. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ago, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. This is one of those passages in the New Testament we might be tempted to skip or read through quickly, almost like those genealogies. But this is not about establishing biological lineage or earthly ancestry. This is about 31 people, 32 counting Paul, who were connected to each other because of their connection to God. Let me say that again. 31 people, 32 counting Paul, who were connected to each other because of their connection to God. What does this mean? Why was this written? First, it means there were faithful followers of Christ living and working together in a very difficult place. What was Rome like in the time of Christ and the Apostle Paul? Well, Paul doesn't write much about what Rome was like because historical documentation of a place or a culture wasn't his purpose. His purpose was to spread the gospel. We can gather some history from the New Testament documents supplemented by external sources. It was the time of Nero, and everything we know about Nero in Rome under his rule clearly says it was hard to be a Christian in that place. Paul was imprisoned for preaching the gospel. In Paul's time as an apostle, there was a growing hostility toward those who preached the gospel and, by extension, those who obeyed the gospel. One of the classic historical journal entries about Rome in Paul's day is what was authored by Professor Henry Burton published by the University of Chicago many years ago. And I'm going to read some quotations from that journal entry by Professor Burton about Rome in the time of Paul. He said, Marriage was usually a matter of convenience. The power of divorce was unrestrained by law and was as frequently abused as in modern society. He wrote that, I quote, Roman religion was originally a form of nature worship where gods were personifications of physical forces and whose rites were a simple expression of awe and gratitude and desire for divine favor. The number of gods, great and small, was almost infinite. 
Every locality, every event, every act had its special divinity. There was ancestor worship that evolved into worship of the emperors. Foreign religions were tolerated and even patronized. Into this society, the seed of a new religion had been cast. The Roman Christians in Paul's day were numerous enough to attract the notice of the emperor and to become, only a year or two later, the victims of his cruelty. By their virtuous lives and their protest against idol worship, they had won the respect and the hatred of their neighbors. Of Paul and his brothers and sisters in Christ, the professor said, In all the life of Rome there was nothing grander than the moral courage shown by those humble men and women in turning their backs upon the Jewish or Greek or Roman orthodoxy in which they had been reared and clinging with absolute faith to the simple axioms that form the basis of the religion of Christ, love to God and love to man. That's the way he describes Rome in the time of Paul. But there were Christians there, serving the Lord, serving each other, known, named, and commended by the Apostle Paul. McAllen, Texas, the Rio Grande Valley of Texas, is so unlike Rome in industry, infrastructure, commerce, living conditions, transportation, technology, culture, There is no systematic persecution of Christians. Government here is vastly different from Rome. A strong culture of freedom they didn't have in Rome that we have in this area, the state and the country. But of course, some things never change. In the first three chapters of Romans, Paul said the problem there is sin. And he went into some dramatic detail. He spoke of lying sexual immorality, greed, injustice, even disobedient to parents. In chapter 2, he exposes hypocrisy. And then he comes to a place where he says that all have sinned and do fall short of the glory of God. With respect to sin, disobedience to God, unbelief, hate, materialism, we have all of that here but we can be Christians. There are Christians here, fellow workers in Christ, servants of the church, people who work hard. May that continue. And may we be thankful to God for each other. Secondly, about this passage in Romans chapter 16, these 31 people, 32 counting Paul, were very different in some ways and yet united. Rome was a diverse community, and that diversity is reflected in the names of these folks. There are males and females, Jews and Gentiles, different backgrounds, different areas of work and service. Phoebe from Sincrea, commended for helping people and serving people. Timothy, who worked with Paul. Tertius, who took dictation from Paul that became this letter kinsmen, fellow workers, people who put their lives at risk for the cause of Christ. Have you ever been a member of a church or visited a church and everybody was the same? 
Well, no, you haven't. Churches are groups that exhibit great diversity. Different ages and races and levels of knowledge and experience. No two people in any church have exactly the same talent and temperament. This diversity can be a strength as long as we are united in faith. Would you consider, please, still in the book of Romans, but now earlier, back in chapter 12, this statement that begins at verse 3, written by Paul. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. If we see ourselves and think of ourselves objectively, humbly, and modestly, we avoid comparing ourselves to others or thinking competitively. We use what we have. We do what we can do to the best of our ability. No two people are the same. No two have exactly the same abilities. These 32 people were so different in so many fascinating ways. Yet they worked and worshiped together, served each other, and joined in the cause of proclaiming the gospel. What does Romans chapter 16 mean to us? Number three, have you noticed how strong families are here? Spiritual family, yes. These are brothers and sisters in Christ. But several of these are mentioned in association with their earthly family, the married couple Aquila and Prisca or Priscilla, the family of Aristobulus, the family of Narcissus, Rufus and his mother, a brother and sister in verse 15. There is nothing stronger in a community in a nation than a family where Jesus is the king, where God's word is the final answer where parents raise their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, where prayers are offered, love is shared, help and guidance is supplied with grace. Strong families are here in Romans 16. In the Proverbs study for today, May the 17th, we looked at passages in the book of Proverbs where families and family matters are addressed. We talked about statements in Proverbs about good men and good women and good parents and good children and good discipline and love and care for the elderly, demonstrating what God wants families to look like. When a local church is composed of good families, what an energy 
and boost that provides for the Lord's work. What's Romans 16 all about? Fourth, these Christians were not idle. They were busy. Phoebe, a servant. Prisca and Aquila, fellow workers. Urbanus, a fellow worker. Verse 12, workers in the Lord. You'll look at the phrase there, worked hard in the Lord. Timothy, Paul said, my fellow worker. Paul is thankful for people who risk their lives for the Lord. He is commending their work, the activity of their faith, in an environment, Rome, not friendly to faith. This seems to me to be more than just say hello or greet them. Paul is overjoyed to be associated with such good people. Now, don't take this to mean he didn't recognize there were other kinds of people. Paul wasn't wearing blinders. And you see that clearly when you arrive at verses 17 and 18. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you've been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. Folks, good people want to know about spiritual dangers. Good people want to be discerners. Christians want to be defenders of the faith. They do not want false doctrine to intrude. Paul, while highlighting the good, doesn't forget the bad. Part of our busyness in the Lord's work must be to be on guard, to test everything and hold fast what is good. So these people were busy in a number of ways, in their minds, in their relationships, in their daily discipleship. They lived in difficult circumstances, but didn't let their circumstances lead them to being idle. If you were a Christian before the difficult circumstance, you are still a Christian in the difficult circumstance. These people illustrate consistency of commitment and character, and it can be said through love they served one another. It reminds us of Galatians 5, 13 through 15, For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. 31 people plus one in Romans 16 who lived in dangerous times of pressure, distress, anxiety, but here are their names and here are their examples to encourage us who live in difficult times, though not exactly the same as their difficulty. Now I want you to listen to the final paragraph in Romans 16. 25 through 27, Romans 16. 
Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. If these people were strong, it was because they were dependent on the Lord. Verse 25 says, Who is able to strengthen you? If these people were expanding, it was because they were engaged in the preaching of Jesus Christ. Notice how their activity of faith is described in one phrase in verse 26, the obedience of faith. And notice they did not take credit. Paul did not give credit to himself. Rather, he said to God, be the glory. The very thing I spoke about this morning. To God be the glory. To God be the glory that there were such people in Paul's time, and to God be the glory there are such people today. To Christians who are listening, local or distant, we thank God for you. Your perseverance in the faith in difficult times, your continued service to one another, the many expressions of discipleship that haven't been canceled. In fact, opportunities have been presented to us we didn't have before our current situation. How would Paul, Timothy, Phoebe, Mary, and Rufus manage if they were here with us today? They would act according to these descriptions of their character. To God be the glory. Thank you for listening.